On a dark, dark night, a little moth fluttered by. When the brightest of lights caught the little moth's eye. I must find my way up to that silvery ball, for its light is by far the prettiest of all. It's now been two and a half, three years since I first wrote those words um, on a just like a sticky notes app on my phone at the time. Ever since I started writing or did my first sort of blog interview as a writer, I, when I was asked if there was any other genre that I wanted to write in, I said back then I would love to write a children's book. Um, mainly because I think the audience, I've, I've always said this when people have asked me why I went from horror to, to children's, um, I think you, you've got the most honest audience and if you can write a book for children that they love, I mean they'll tell you about it, they'll, they'll tell you as well if they don't like it and I think having that honesty and, and was something that I really, I really wanted to try my hand at but also growing as a writer I was growing as a as a father at the time as well and story time had already become a staple of our day um I would I would make sure I was there most bedtimes you know reading something whether it's you know Thomas the Tank Engine which we started off and you know any then we we found a couple of these these bright big bold rhyming picture books and I found I enjoyed them just as much I enjoyed reading them just as much as, as I knew our little ones were enjoying listening to them even if they didn't really at the time understand everything that I was saying everything that was happening and that was when we um, we first bought or I was, I, my wife already knew Room on a Broom I think I'd seen it on TV one Christmas morning before the, the twins arrived I, I didn't really know anything of Julia Donaldson but then we got the book of Room on a Broom and it was the first one that I I really looked forward to reading again and again the the rhyming nature of it um, really made it fun and you know looking at the pictures I think Axel Schaefer had uh, did a brilliant job with um, you know perfectly mirroring his his talents with um, the illustrations to match Julia Donaldson's words and very quickly I, I knew I wanted to come up with something like that something that I I could bring joy then to uh, to others, to parents and children alike and the rhyming thing was just quite natural my my mum I, I remembered used to write little poems I might have referenced it in a previous episode and uh, back when I was at school she used to help write these you know these little poems these little ditties and that and she did write some of them down some of them were, were brilliant and I think even before I started writing my first novel I was writing in rhyme I was I was trying to come up with like song lyrics so I found it I found it flowed a lot easier than I thought it would um, but I, I never intended on doing straight away doing a, a rhyming picture book because I didn't have any ideas I didn't really know I, th I knew I wanted to try children's children's books children's fiction but never really set my mind to anything in particular and, t and I just knew that I was enjoying these type of books yeah Julia Donaldson's and um, 
uh, Pirates Love Underpants was a good was a popular choice as well I, I managed to recite that one off the top of my head eventually um, but it all came one night um, this idea just, just came to me um, and I've told this story many times to anyone that would listen or anyone that asked the idea for my first children's book came from a, a moth floating around our living room late at night like they do obviously floating around the light bulb and just when we were trying to you know shut down for the night and go to bed I was trying to you know usher him out of the, the lounge so turning the lights off and then opening the door eventually he did you know fly out the fly out the door and into the night I just happened to look up and there was there was a full moon in the sky um, and it was just a flippant comment I made to my wife after that that gave me then the idea of, of a moth trying to fly to the moon because he's drawn to the light you know and uh, it kind of went from there and those, those words at the beginning of the book were the first ones that I wrote down and I think knowing how easily and naturally they came to me it then just it, it made the whole process fun again I think I'd reached a point with with my horror fiction that I really didn't didn't know where I was going with it and this was um, this was a fresh challenge and it was it was exciting it made everything exciting again the moth bid him farewell bye bye toad flashed him a smile and with a flap of his wings he returned to the sky I say little moth are you leaving so soon why yes said the moth it's a long way to the moon the actual writing in the story uh, it's a long way to the moon it took about three weeks um, which might seem a lot really for what turned out to be a I think it was like a 28 page uh, picture book but I was only doing it ad hoc really because I, I I found the beauty of I mean, whilst I was writing my, my horror novels I did use the like a notes app just as a quick reference thing on my phone um, it's a helpful way of, of just, just capturing moments of inspiration that I was a bit worried I would lose if I sort of tried to recall it later on um, but yeah just as I went about my day really just odd lines would come to me and, and I knew very quickly I had a clear idea of what it was that I was trying to achieve so I, I knew it was going to be a rhyming book um, I knew it was going to be in you know traditional um, like four line stanza type thing um, I did experiment with other sizes of um, um, like changes in rhythm and sizes of verses and that throughout the book just really it, it, a, a bit like I did with with my um, with my full novels I let the story really kind of guide me <coughs> through it um, but I knew I mean I, the, the, the difference was that I had a clear image of of what the story was going to be about you know it's very simply it's the beautiful thing with kids books you you only really need to take a, a short sample of what otherwise could have been like one scene in a in a full-length novel you can write a whole book just about this 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 one little story um and it was simply you know the moth who decides one night he wants to fly to the moon you know he makes it his goal he wants to to try it he doesn't know at the time how he's going to do it he just knows he he needs to try and i think it's a very 
uh, important message to to put out there when in a story that's being read to children you know even if they're as young as two or three years old um, I think instilling in them the idea that firstly you you must have dreams however big or small they are you must have goals it doesn't matter if you don't know how you're going to achieve them just trying and along the way as the moth meets other animal friends you know it's the importance of um of, of listening to to others welcoming advice and different ways of doing things and uh you know not trying to do it not pressurizing yourself to do something on your own yeah i might be might be thinking a bit deep deeply about that i suppose on the surface it was just it was a nice cute story that i was able to to make this you know into this rhyming story that i was really wanting to achieve and again the the decision to write a rhyming book really was um as i've said earlier on just well not just but mainly influenced by the books i was reading to our children and what i found enjoyable as a parent because I, I know you can get some stories and they become a little bit of a chore if you're having to read them multiple times but there was just something about these these bright vibrant rhyming books that made me enjoy reading them again and again and I, I thought if I'm going to do this I I really want to try and achieve that um, and give the parents something that they enjoyed as well and um, so yeah I just I just punched down some lines I, I just sort of odd line rhyming words that came to mind I you know a couple of rhyming words would come to mind and I would have to write the, the line yeah you know, write the uh, the verse backwards in a sense um again trying to achieve that that hook if i could do in 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 the verse somewhere but the the a big help along the way really was my children or my wife and my children because i would speak to my wife i would run lines by her and she was quite excited about it as well she recommended i speak to um our children and and sort of part way through the story when i was really struggling with how to pad it out and where to take it um i uh she she recommended i speak to them and ask them what would a moth do if he tried to fly to the moon what would he see and it was really um the feedback i got from them i think it was my little girl lorelei in particular said um i think i can't remember whether it's specifically that he would meet a giraffe or whether he'd go to the zoo one of the point one of one of the two but that's what led to me including the the scene where the moth flies to the zoo and he meets the giraffe um so yeah it was it was really it was it was everything it was nothing really based on the writing i'd done before this was a breakaway obviously subject wise but it was something that was giving me a lot more um fulfillment because firstly you know i knew this this would probably have a much higher reach a much wider audience that I could try to crack into um, where my horror one was very niche and although it was great to have some sort of cult following one day you know um, I all authors want our work to be appreciated and widely read so that we then get that feedback we find out how how good a job we've done and you need to me you do need a sizable audience to be able to really gauge that so with the children's books that was something that i i knew that i could hopefully tap into and um 
it was yeah it, it was a project I kept really quiet it wasn't one that I, I let a lot of people know that I was doing because I didn't really know what I was going to do with it ultimately but um, I say over about three weeks I put it together I mean some some moments of brilliance would come to me in the middle of the night and I would I would just you know scribble some lines down just so they were there for the morning I might have to tidy them up but just so the idea wasn't lost when I went back to sleep um, but once I had the complete story on my phone it was then making the decision what I'd do with it you know I I knew how to self-publish but something said to me that firstly that would be a big ask because the one thing this needed was it needed to be a picture book it needed to live in literally in living colour um, the, the vision I had for it needed uh, it, it needed to be fulfilled I I did toy with the idea of just sort of keeping it in print form and one day sort of compiling odd you know children stories into one anthology like I'd done with House of Courtney and things like that obviously of a, a bit of a lighter nature than them but um, no I decided it, it needed to to live as a picture book so one thing I couldn't really do is I couldn't self-publish this one because I couldn't illustrate it myself and um, I really I didn't have massive amount of funds available if any to to be able to find someone independently to illustrate this book you know and still self-publish it but have someone else do that that wasn't an option so my only option really was to go back to submitting to to publishers and um yeah it was a lot like it was right at the beginning for me with acolyte it was just an odd coincidence that i would be scrolling through my newsfeed on facebook and there would be an ad pop up um i can't remember whether it popped up just as like a, a sponsored post or whether it was something that was posted in another writing group that I was in already but from um, a publisher called Cranthorpe Milner I, I didn't know about them they were relatively new just sort of starting out I think only about a year or so before that and um, they were appealing for I think they were appealing for, for particular genres had no mention of children's books so I, I just happened to comment on the post or send them a message saying you know would they consider children's books as well because I, I had one that I'd written and um, I was looking at options to sort of get it out and um, yeah fairly quickly I had the response back sort of welcoming me to submit it and they would look at it so um, so that's what I did I, I had uh, this was about almost about a year after I had actually written it so once I'd written it on my phone I did type it up um, into proper manuscript form and I had actually I'd sort out um, I tried to I researched and tried to find some publishers particularly of children's books and, and started with so anyone listening to this who doesn't really know or, or wondering where to start the good thing that I did I suppose not no great success for me but not saying anyone else wouldn't sort of find some success with this method but any books that you enjoy reading out there that you uh, you are using uh, you know as inspiration 
look at the publishers who publish them and, and approach them it's a good starting point so there were a few that I got off some of the books that were in our twins library here at home and um, so I had written off I'd emailed off and a couple of them actually asked for um, the traditional way of, of printing it off and posting it to them so I it was the first time that I really sent multiple copies of this of one of my books off you know beforehand I'd just done it to one or two and I'd had a response back very quickly so it was the start of this slow process that a lot of authors had told me about um, but it was really the, the first time that I'd tried it myself um, so about a year went past and I didn't really get anywhere with it uh, quite a few of the publishers didn't actually respond one or two did um, sort of the polite kind of you know thank you but no thank you and um, and that's yeah and sort of a year down the line that's when I saw this this post on Facebook by Cranthorpe Milner and um, took my chance so um, yeah when they sort of welcomed the submission I sent it off and sort of eagerly awaited really I guess one of the big differences with writing a children's book than um, adult fiction novels was you've you really the realization that you have to let somebody else in with their creativity creativity so with a children's book it's just as important that it it looks right you know we we all say never judge a book by its cover i mean to be fair we all do it but i think with with children's books particularly picture books it's very important to for, for it to look appealing it's got to look you it's got to not only grab you know the parents or the children's attention straight away with the cover you you need it to follow through within the story you need it to be appealing be interesting captivating with a when you're writing a novel i suppose you you kind of bleed everything you can into the story and in the writing it and you when you then have it edited you you let somebody else in you know that it's going to be there's a chance it would be changed altered whichever in whatever way you know i was fortunate enough i suppose um it was mainly sort of grammatical errors or different just slightly different ways of, of wording things that that made my novels you know have that more impact um but sort of visually the only the only place that anyone really fed their own creativity in was was in the cover and that process always used to excite me rather than worry me because i i'm not a designer i i struggle to kind of um vocalize my you know any visions any ideas i've got into into a, a, a you know, illustrated form um so i i like letting the publishers or the designers sort of you know i give them an idea of what the story's about and then they they come up with the the cover to me that's the that's the finishing touch it's always one of the last things to be done with it's a long way to the moon i think i to begin with i felt a lot more uh, protective over it I mean I'm, I didn't have offers flooding in like I said I sent it off to a few publishers I had a couple of rejections which 
um, was fairly new to me, not to kind of blow me on horn, but I I did manage with my other novels, you know, when I sent them off to these independent publishers, more often than not, they, they liked them enough to take them on. There wasn't really much back and forth. But with It's a Long Way to the Moon, I had such a, a particular, specific vision for how it should look that I was nervous about whoever took it on what it would end up looking like because either my inability to convey what I saw in my head how it should look but um, you know letting somebody else who has got that talent to bring things to life in picture form you know how they would um, perceive my story and what what images would, would conjure up with them what they thought would fit I was worried that down the line when it did get published that it wouldn't look exactly as I had imagined it um, but I I was blessed really with Cranthorpe Milner because once we got the ball rolling and the, the agreement was signed and I, I really just passed it over to them I gave them my ideas um, it's the first time I, I did any kind of sort of storyboarding in a loose kind of way um, giving them you know, splitting it down to what I saw on each page or double page spread what the image should be that went with those words um, so I mean I again it's like writing the story from another perspective I suppose it was like the words were there but I needed to elaborate on what was behind the words literally on the page I didn't think I was any good at that really but I tried my best to I had in my head I, I knew I wanted the illustrations to be much like uh, Eric Carle's Very Hungry Caterpillar very very simple almost childlike um, depictions of, of the, the animals that I was writing about and the scenery and everything you know not nothing too intricate just something that was that was bold it had a lot of color to it but something that children could really relate to because you know it was that kind of simple form of illustration I think is at the age that I was aiming for was was really important and something that they hopefully could latch on to and then it got I, I remember getting the first email back from Kirsty at Cranthorpe Milner with the initial or one of the, the initial ideas that uh, that they had come up with they through the process introduced me to a fantastic illustrator Greg Carter obviously I wasn't familiar with his work or anything he'd done before um, but I knew from that from that moment when I got that that email with that first shot I think the first image they sent me was it was the moth they had to they had to do the moth first because he was the, the 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 main crux of the story is, is this this little moth flying to the moon so he is the main character they needed to to work on him first to to see if we were on the same lines and i just remember getting that first image which i think may have been the same image that ended up on the front cover um i was blown away it was it was exactly what I was looking for, what I'd imagined, and I knew I was onto a good thing, you know, with Cranthorpe Milner and with Greg, because we seemed to all be in instinctively on the same page. And I think in one of the first responses from Kirsty, 
when I sent my manuscript off and we were discussing the possibility of them taking it on, she actually even said without me hinting much, she imagined she she said it was it, it conjured up images of um very, you know very hungry caterpillar that kind of that kind of illustration. So I knew then, yeah, you know I'm with the right people, and um, I really then just sat back and once I put my ideas forward, I just I just sat back and let Greg do his thing and it was so exciting getting these emails every now and then with further updates and I mean the the time that I then was given the the proof of the the whole spread you know the entire book I loved it I couldn't stop looking at it really you know scrolling through it on my phone and showing anyone who who cared to see um, it's to me my other books are a reflection of a certain time in my life. Um, I think horror really suited me because of um, certain state of mind that I was in when I started writing back in 2013. Um, a big horror fan. I, I've said this all in previous episodes, so I won't dwell on it too much. But I'm a big horror fan, heavy metal fan. You know, I I followed you know darker thing the darker side of media i suppose for a long time um so it was natural that it was going to inspire me but it was my my own struggles that i had around about that time that that helped me write those books and i i look at the horror books the wilderness apocalypse and um that was me writing myself out of the darkness that i was in and it's a long way to the moon and subsequently it's a long night for Santa is symbolic of where I am now you know I, I very much feel I'm out of the darkness or you know a lot, a lot of those problems have lifted I'm writing for a completely different reason from a completely different audience and I'm enjoying it so these books with Greg's help um, I consider more sort of a piece of art for me you know it's it's almost it's something that I I would love to display and say this is really the pinnacle of what I achieved as a writer um, yeah it's it's people look at children's books I think and, and I think Jackie Rom has said this a few times they think it's it's easy and it may some may consider it a cop-out to write children's books I wholly disagree I think it's it's for me it's a lot more fulfilling uh, genre to write in and the the response you get is completely different and as I will I'll encounter towards the end of this episode um, it opens up it's opened up more more doors for me than I, I would have realized and yeah not catapulted me right you know into mainstream or on the long way off that and I probably never will get there but it's helped me feel accomplished and proud of what I've done rather than always seeking that next um, that next book which would hopefully get me noticed you know I'm, I'm not um, I'm not chasing that anymore you know because I think I, I look at these books and I know from those already that have read it and, and fed back to me um, the joy they are giving to children and parents I think being a father myself I appreciate that a lot more but so back to I digress a little bit back to 
back to Cranthorpe Milner and Greg Carter. I can't thank them enough, really, for what they've done to get these books out there and, and, and helped how you know me find the peace of, of uh, you know my writing journey you know even if this is as far as it goes for a while um, I I really don't mind because I'm so proud of these these books and when I knew I was going to do this episode one of the reasons that I I'm only just doing I'm only just releasing it now and there's been a gap between this and my last episode really I wanted to distance these two points of my writing journey anyway because I think where I was finishing off with a necessary end and that I was talking about a certain subject matter which is in no way really related to this I wanted there to be a natural break but also because I I think or I thought at the beginning there was only really one perfect way that I wanted to do this episode and that is to be able to speak to someone who I I, I think is the, I credit is the one person who has made these books what they are and um, finally been able to sit down with Greg Carter himself and sort of pick his brain um, a little bit, get to know him a bit more. So I hand the next part of this episode over to a very exclusive interview that I recently conducted with the illustrator of It's a Long Way to the Moon and It's, not, it's, uh, it's a Long Night for Santa. So uh, I hand you over now to my interview with Greg Carter. Okay, so in this episode, you know, I've finally in this podcast been able to wind my way through my um, my writing journey right up to current point, and finally getting a chance to talk about going over from the horror genre into a children's writing genre, which was uh, raised a few eyebrows for me. Um, because you know a lot of people were used to me writing about a lot of darker stuff and then I decided to come out with this really cute rhyming picture book inspired by a lot of the the stories I was reading to my kids and yeah here I am um, two two years later I've just released the second book called It's a Long Night for Santa Uh, but last year was the was when my children's writing career I suppose really started to come together with the release of my first book um, It's a Long Way to the Moon and myself, a lot of people that have seen the book, read the book heard about it, including myself really know there's, there's only one or there's one main person who helped bring this book to life uh, because with a kid's book it's got, to, it's got to have a look to really pull you in you know the it's got to be illustrated in the right way and there was only one person really to me that I wanted to have on the show to to help get his side of things really on on what the process was like and that is uh, finally getting to talk to the the man behind the moth really uh, Greg Carter welcome to the show my friend hello thank you for coming on this is this is really I, I should have done this a lot earlier really I think I, I was meant to to try and arrange something like this when we released the first one, um, but you know, first off, I can't thank you enough for the the work that you put into my books. You know, it, well, we'll we'll talk about them in a bit more depth in a bit. But I uh, I just wanted to kick off really. It's it's amazing how you kind of crept into my head without <laughs> us actually either you know meeting, talking, or whatever. You you absolutely nailed the the vision I had for those stories. 
Um, but sort of, you know, kicking off, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of sort of who you are, where you are, what you've done up to this point, I guess. Uh, well, um, so, well, I've always had um, an interest in draw drawing um, as a child, so, um, and uh, was encouraged to do that quite a lot. So um, I just followed that interest through my life, basically. So I've just, I've done like commissioned pieces for a long time, but it's never really been anything serious. Mm. And it wasn't until I uh, worked at a, a, a publisher's um, that I then kind of made it sort of broke into the illustration world. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got to illustrating books. Okay. Yeah. What sort of stuff have you done besides, like I say, we'll, we'll get to my book specifically, but have you done children's books or books before or had you been involved in any any other kind of you know visual graphic kind of art um well well similar to yourself my uh sort of my com where i'm comfortable creating stuff is in horror so okay. i've drawn lots of monsters and yeah just created a lot of horrible things <laughs> um i was in uh bands as a teenager quite a lot and they were all kind of like death metal bands or okay. grindcore um and they were <laughs> like really silly songs silly lyrics about really hideous things <laughs> so that so that was like fun horror yeah um i've uh, done like a lot of um video projections um uh, sort of in in clubs and at parties and raves i guess um which is um <clears throat> so I've, I've got a very strong uh interest in like um audio uh reactions things reacting to audio yeah so um yeah um i'm currently um studying a master's in computer game art where um wow. i'm i'm basically making um making a computer game that you play music to and then the computer game changes dependent on what music you're playing to oh wow so, okay um yeah that sounds I, I, like a lot of fun yeah i like creating stuff i like making things yeah That's cool. with with your your horror interest and your your like your, your metal interest now it sounds like we could have a whole other discussion another yeah time right because, you know that's my um that's that's very much follows my my creative side i suppose when i led into the writing it was very much inspired by um horror games horror movies that i was a fan of that i was watching and playing at the time and being a metal fan for a number of years it really that's what conjures up those sort of images and it led to like five books in the end you know thinking down yeah. the road so so it's it's cool talking to someone whose mind kind of works the same and uh, i've i've always been quite envious really of anyone who's worked in the visual arts front because i may you know some people may not like what i write down but i i kind of express myself best you know through words um i've always wanted to be able to conjure something up on paper or on screen you know from a visual perspective and i've never really been able to train my my mind to to get the images that i see in my head onto paper or onto a screen um if you've got a certain process that you when you've got a project whatever it is do you have a certain process that you follow or do you just kind of go with whatever's coming to you at the time you know, do, do you, are you quite strict with it it's a lot of going with the flow of 
seeing what happens yeah. um creating things um writing is kind of like drawing a, a picture except the picture ex just exists inside someone's head yeah. in a way so yeah. you are some and yeah so like how you use your words would it decides how good that picture is yeah. inside someone's imagination so, yeah um, yeah i suppose so but um, i sometimes the things i make i just start making something and it it happens and then it's there at the end and not yeah. much eff effort has got into it other times i've i have i plan stuff through and have to all try something and it won't work and then i'll have to go back a few steps and then try again are you quite a perfectionist when you work into it or are you you quite happy to sort of leave a project say wasn't quite what i worked but i i had in mind but you know i'm happy with that at the end or do you just oh, there's a, um a lot of times when it's gone well that's what it's going to have to be because yeah. i can't make make it what it but sometimes you get nice surprises like that of yeah. something that you didn't expect and yeah. also like working with limitations sometimes also has some sort of interesting outcomes sometimes yeah. yeah yeah so moving on i suppose to the the, the reason what well, the, the main reason why i'm sort of bringing you on is um probably go back about three years ago i had this just this image popped into my head there wasn't much planning behind it um i've told a number of people sort of locally the reason why i wrote uh, it's a long way to the moon it was just there was a moth fluttering around a light bulb in my lounge and I was kind of just shooing it out, um, out of the, out the door and it managed to go out the door and I, um, I, I just happened to look up and it was a full moon and I just, just said to my wife, do you ever think there's a moth out there who confuses the moon with a light bulb and decides he wants to, to fly up to it? Um, no, I, I had the intention, I suppose, eventually of writing a kid's book, but that moment was, was when that's that idea started and i just kind of uh, you know over a few weeks i put a few lines together and you know and turned it into what it was when did you first become made aware of my book um what were your thoughts when you were approached as, as a possible project to to illustrate it um so um the thing that sort of uh I sort of latched onto the most i guess from um was uh the reference to um very hungry caterpillar in yeah. that that's the kind of style that you wanted it in mm -hmm. and um so i read that book as a child so that's the imagery in that book's kind of imprinted in my brain cool. um and that kind of style translate it translates really well to uh working uh in photoshop yeah. because um because the illustrations in Very Hungry Caterpillar are kind of like they're sort of coloured shapes with a texture on them. Yeah. Which you can, that translates very well to Photoshop in that you can, and, but being Photoshop, you can take it to kind of take it to the extreme compared to what was happening in yeah. a Very Hungry Caterpillar. So. I like it. I, when I first got the, 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 the first, almost like the, uh, the, the very first time I was like test proof or something of one of the images um, and I saw the moth and I again with all of my books I've had it plays out like you said you know you write a book it, it, you have an image in your head that you're trying to put down and I all I had said to the guys was yeah visually 
Um, I just wanted something quite simple, you know, along the lines of Hungry Caterpillar, but I, I didn't know what I was going to get back for that first time. I, I thought for one, it was going to be a lot more sort of back and forth trying to shape it and having a lot more input in it. But when I got back that first effort from yourself, um, that was it. I knew, okay, I don't really have to do much else with this. <laughs> I'll just kind of, I'm very happy for this guy to kind of, you know, show me what, what he's drawing from my story. Um, was there, um, was it a project that you worked on? I, I appreciate you probably had other things that you were doing sort of in between sort of how, what was your process in terms of moving in between your projects at that point? Because okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but this, the, some of the images I've seen on your social media, and like you said, the kind of things that you were doing, this was a little different to a lot of the stuff <laughs> yeah. that you've done before. So yeah. How did you move in between the, the sort of the very different, um, feel of yeah so well so the my the stuff i make personally to just like to please myself the, the thing just so i want to make it mm. that that comes that's it's basically horrible i like horrible things so that's <laughs> the kind of the things i make yeah. so um so i know when i'm so if i'm creating something for someone else i'm i'm making i'm making it for them i'm not it's not for me so i need to i'm well i just the imp, i go from the input that i give the so but then i have to try to imagine what that person is imagining i yeah. guess yeah so get into someone else's head so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i I, I'm, I find it i struggle sometimes getting into my own let alone trying to sort of you know take someone else's ideas so it's, uh, it's, it's a real talent, I think. Well, it also sh uh, shows how, like, you must, the image that had been created inside my mind from reading your illustration, there were, uh, from, your, from your text, yeah. that, so that obviously created something similar to what you were already yeah. thinking. It's like, there's probably like very, some kind of, deep psychological thing going on that we as a human we can't ever understand how yeah. the things influence each other yeah yeah i uh I, I i don't yeah i probably don't even want to spend too much time sort of thinking about that you can probably go down <laughs> a few rabbit holes with that sort of thing you know why i i often i'd like to get inside some other children's authors heads and try to figure out what what it was that they were thinking when they came up with some of these these stories you know because uh I think a lot of them are there to please the adults as much as the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely with uh, children's movies, there's so much going on uh, that's there for the adults yeah. who are watching the film. Yeah, yeah, we got to be subjected to it as well. You know, like second time round, you may have seen it as a kid, but when you watch it again as an adult with your kids, you're picking up on stuff they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. there's that barrier, there's that that thin veil there, which yeah. So well, they're um, like. Um, I was going to say cartoons like um, Adventure Time um, kind of do that really well in that there's a very weird, surreal world going on on top of that yeah. cartoon that's kind of, if you don't actually sit down and watch it, you don't notice it. But yeah. if you like pay attention, it's just like, what is going on in this cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Was there um, um, any kind of childhood influences? You mentioned that you were a fan of 
um, the hungry caterpillar as well, and like myself. Was there any other any other influ influences from your memories or, or whatever as a, as a child, which kind of went into what you conjured up for those books? Um, I I think I was exposed to like quite a lot of um, sort of Japanese animation and illustration. Yeah. Um, things like uh, Thundercats and U Ulysses that's all in, I'm not actually sure if it is Japanese, but it's all, it's in that kind it's of style. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I was really into computer games. So the artwork of Mario and Sonic was quite a big influence on me. Yeah. Um, but then as I got a bit old, like really eighties horror was, uh, like Hell, uh, Hellraiser films, yeah. a lot of the Cronenberg films. Yeah. Um, like real, I kind of really enjoyed like the sort of uh, body shock sort of stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, no. yeah. Sounds yeah. like we we've really kind of lived in like pretty much a parallel. Sort of yeah, universe. right. <laughs> exactly the same things. You you must be. How how old are you, by the way? I'm thirty nine. You know, okay, yeah, similar kind of age bracket. So yeah, yeah. So very much into the same things. One of my books that I wrote one of the highest bits of praise I received for it was that it reminded um, someone of Clive Barker. Yeah, right. Nice. Because <laughs> I was a big Hellraiser fan as well. So that was, yeah, I'll take that one. So yeah, yeah, that's I a good exactly one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I was blown away with the first one when, when um, you know, the, the product that you helped create with It's a Long Way to the Moon. So I uh, I decided it needed a second book. Um, I had no no qualms about how I wanted to go. I I could only really do it if the publisher was happy to take it on and obviously have yourself to work on it again because I couldn't really imagine it, you know, being done by anybody else. Um, what were your thoughts then when it's a long night for Santa came across your desk? Is it is is Christmas a, a sort of um? Do you have again a a, ch a childhood pull? when it comes to Christmas? Um, uh, as an adult, I'm so uninterested in Christmas. It's just <laughs> an, an event that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, um, as a kid, it was just fun staying at home, playing with toys. That was, <laughs> that's what Christmas is all about to me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and yeah, just being at home with family and stuff, I yeah. guess. That's what, I wasn't at school. That was a good Fair thing. Enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was, um, it was sort of a, is the word, uh, it was it a juxtaposition in that I was drawing uh, Christmas pictures in the middle of summer. Okay, was, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a lot of snowy pictures and it was boiling hot outside. So it was like <laughs> a strange contrast. Um, it is. I guess it gave, gave you somewhere else that you could disappear to. You know, I suppose books are supposed to take you off to other places and uh, yeah. It helped me cool cool me down a bit. <laughs> so, um, no, was there an, any again particular things that when you read the story for the first time, did it did anything spring out immediately? A bit like um, you know, any ideas that you had for the first one? Did, was there any sort of visual ideas that that came to you straight away that you knew this book needed? I think so. The the first few opening images were very clear in my mind because it was kind of that boggy, snowy scene where it was all kind of a bit mysterious. And yeah. um, so I guess that the image needed to have space for people to imagine 
what was out there rather than to actually show what was there. Yeah. Um, I, I did think that it would, um, how much difference including humans would have to, to the book because uh, it was all animals in the first book. It was, yeah. 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 And because um, I really kind of like the idea of um, sort of animals having this other, there's like they have their own society or yeah. like culture going on that yeah. we're completely unaware of because yeah. we don't, can't speak their language. <laughs> so, if we could. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> they probably ha yeah they probably wouldn't say very nice things to us probably not no, no. it's best, best best to leave them unheard yeah <laughs> but um the actual this is one bit that really fascinates me about this is is how you actually create so take my books i, I guess as an example since we are talking about them so the process the physical process of, of putting together an image um you say you use photoshop or largely use photoshop how long uh, so how much work went into say just one illustration like, as a double what we use as a double spread how how long would that have put taken you to put together so um i i guess it worked out quite well for the illustrations i did for the loft books because um because you were so pleased with them that yeah. they did it like that some people it's kind of there's quite it is a lot of back and forth of mm. like um just changing small details or that the the client doesn't quite know what they want in the first yeah. place which takes a while to then try and figure out what is needed then yeah um so i kind of like to do it in stages in that um i did like some very simple sketches to to begin with which was kind of just to show what was going to be in the picture and how it was going to be laid out um because if if i sort of went and did the whole thing and then there was big changes in layout um then that's a lot of sort of going backwards yeah. like and then re reworking a lot of things yeah so um but um i guess if you i guess if i sat down in an evening to work on it it uh, one picture was two evenings work okay uh, uh, puts it in perspective yeah, yeah. so to actually get because i i really enjoyed getting the line sketches you know um even from those i could i could sort of tell where it was going and that we were on the right page so physically getting from the line sketch to what you can see on the page um i mean it's it's do you do you just fill it by color? Do you actually have to like put the fine detail in? Sort of, what 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 is the actual process of then getting the the final colored sort of version? So from the sketch, um, I would uh, sort of uh, kind of a little bit like a watercolor kind of do a, a background wash kind of thing, but um, it doesn't because it's on the computer. It, could be as vivid as you want it doesn't yeah. you don't have to worry about making it faint like a watercolor yeah. um because then you you can because photoshop lets you work in layers so you can okay. so it's like having loads of sheets of acetate on top of each other and you can uh, then okay. put stuff onto those layers and then rearrange those layers um as in like so say that the moth would have been in like a, a separate layer of which and that layer could have had a whole group of stuff inside that layer right um, okay. 
which so it would be built up of sort of its basic shapes which were just like a solid base color and then on top of those basic shapes um photos of textures were added and the they were manipulated to suit to fit the shape of the shape that it was being added to um and then you can uh so the layers can have blending modes so you can change how the layer underneath shows through so changing the blending mode allowed the bottom base color to show through and then on on top of those layers i would um do uh, like shading um right. just so it was just using a sort of a darker color on a low opacity to slowly build up where the shadow would be yeah. and then did the same but with highlights and so then so that's kind of the moth then by itself as a separate entity and then it was the kind of then do the same with a house or with santa and then you can manipulate those things so it was easier to reposition things um if it needed slight changing and then on top of all of that i do i sort of did the color processing where so which kind of brought it all together like adjusting the levels color correction and sort of brightness and contrast and that which kind of ties all of the individual things it just brings them together better okay Wow. So anyone really out there who thinks that because nowadays art or you know, visual art such as this is mostly done on a computer and I would say, you know, anyone can have a go at it, but anyone that thinks it's an easy thing to do, um, you've basically just proved them otherwise. Because <laughs> that, you know, that, that to me, that's a lot of work going into just one or two images that are only part of the final composition, you know. So. yeah right um i i think a lot it i guess it depends how sort of uh original you want your creation to be or like bespoke in a way um yeah. there's there's plenty of free assets available to download like you've got like websites like free pick and things like that mm-hmm. where there's just tons of assets you could download um take individual elements recreate them and create your own thing but it it just has that feeling that it looks like everything else yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. how um how did you get into actually using the because i guess sort of going back to to school was art your big thing when you were at school and through college and that or was it just something yeah on the side yeah um yeah art and music um yeah i sort of didn't like things like maths uh, it's only as i got older and started getting into coding and programming that i've realized yeah. oh, like math maths is really useful actually so yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so starting but, out i i guess when you're at school a lot of you know paper pencil paint you know physical oh yeah in that yeah. sense so so what, what would you do you prefer or would do you prefer working with the the computer-based sort of illustrations and and um you know graphic design that you're using nowadays or, or do you yearn to go back to you know paper and pencil and that at some point i um really like digital because you it's you, well, you have undo to start off with yeah, which well, is yeah. really helpful um, it's a great tool for a writer that yeah. Text, so. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um and yeah you can the amount of stuff you can achieve in uh, a much shorter amount of time mm. is like uh yeah much quicker on a, on a digital but 
it, it never really exists. If yeah. It only exists as data inside a computer unless you get stuff printed out or um, 3D yeah. printed. It's never actually in reality. So that's one. There was a lot of some uh, some pictures I like to completely sketch out on paper first and then scan that in and then work from uh, the sketch that's been done on paper. Okay. And some some stuff I like to yeah actually ink it using fine liners and then um, I quite like to scan uh, them in and then uh, vectorize them in Illustrator and okay. you can sort of really like sort of well you can make it massive there without losing any quality yeah but um but that's much more but i had just put a lot more time into st stuff that exists on paper takes much more time yeah yeah, yeah. That's fair. so me stepping a self selflessly stepping aside um so what else are you you sort of working on now what does the future the, the sort of short-term future hold for you what have you got going on um, so I'm mainly um, into sort of computer game stuff at the mo moment. Yeah. Like, uh, so I've I've uh, did I just finished a degree in computer game art, and I'm now sort of a, a three months into a master's of computer game art. Which, um, so uh, the a project I'm working on at the moment is, it's I basically kind of uh, made this um uh, goblin that when you play music to it, it reacts by, but it, it hates the music. So it kind of runs around and pu punches itself in the face and headbutts the floor and things. Um, and after playing it so much music, it basically eventually just lies down and gives up and never gets up again. So that's, so I want to turn that into a game basically that, and the idea of the game would be that you play the goblin music, but you have to interact with it at the same time to keep it alive. Got you. Okay. So that's that's where that's where I'm it's at. A bit at like, the moment. A, like a new version of Tamagotchi's sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a horrible <laughs> version of yeah. Tamagotchi's. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that sounds brilliant. So I mean, sort of career-wise, when you see you've, you've completed your master in that, where where's your dream career? Sorry. Um, I quite like the idea of sitting at home and making stuff on the computer and. Um, yeah. getting like um i'd i'd be quite pleased myself if i managed to make a game that uh people wanted to play yeah that would yeah that'd be amazing and and you know yeah. current times you know working from home and that the the possibilities are endless anyway with stuff like that so yeah yeah that's that, yeah yeah we live in a digital world now absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's for a while for a lot of us i, I work from home as well myself and you know i can see how it's benefiting a lot of organizations um so yeah no fair play mate. Yep, i would I'll, definitely I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on that and if if that or if and when that does make it to market i'll be there i'll be that's definitely nice. appealing to me mate <laughs> definitely appealing to me so no i mean so. i i gotta thank you again not only for for the work that you've put in you know the books the the moth books are probably my even growing up as a horror and a heavy metal fan um the books that you've done are my proudest achievement as a writer you know they're they're two two products that i really look at and i think if, if i did nothing else i'm i'm really happy with with what i can show and no that's that's a massive part because of yourself you know that the one thing i always get comments on is the look of it 
you know people love it you know it's 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 giving that classic feel that people are uh, are wanting to pass on i think we're all from the same generation where we had that and we want to pass that on now to to the next generation so no thank you thank you for that thank you for coming on i've i've, I've had a blast talking to you finally yeah <laughs> so, oh, it's all really good to hear about the book and thanks thank you no, no problem at all, i though. enjoyed working on it you never know if there's another one there's not another one in the works my end at the moment but if there is you know i'll i will definitely be be keen to work with you again because i think you've you've really given it an identity that i i would need to keep you know for a great no, nice one great yeah. so before we go um just sort of giving you the floor for a couple of minutes really is there anywhere that people can sort of keep up with yourself what you're doing sort of on social media or whatever um yeah if you uh greg carter visual artist if you google that or facebook that or instagram that yeah <laughs> yeah one of those yeah awesome well brilliant well i i urge everyone to 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 check you out because your you know the 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 books you've done for me are out there i'm sharing them all the time people that follow me will be quite familiar with your work in that sense but i think definitely what i see of your other stuff is definitely worth checking out and you know pop a <laughs> follow you. on that no no worries Th thank you again mate i wish you uh, i wish you all the best have a great christmas and you <laughs> and you know um hopefully keep in touch and, and work together again nice one great thank you no worries <laughs> So there he is, the man himself, the man that brought you what you see on the shelves and on my social media and everything. It's uh, my character, Little Brown Moth, the man that brought it all to life, Greg Carter. Um, so really, the the impact that the book had on me, I mean, I, 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 I rave about it all the time, um, but as a writer it was really when I released these books or released the first one that I noticed other ways that I could get involved in in a, in an array of things really not just not just as a writer I suppose but it um it brought me a new audience and it it opened a few more doors because I had people who um who I knew you know who probably didn't realise that I was a writer on the side um, that hadn't really paid much attention or, or known about my horror stuff uh, because it is, is really directed at a, a niche market and when there was a book out there that, that I could talk to them about and they they were taking interest in and their kids as well it started really with a lot of the fellow parents at the school that our, our twins go to when word started getting around that I'd written a children's book and, and I could actually show them, um, the excitement started to grow and I was able to, the, the school themselves were um, were kind enough to let me promote the book once or twice uh, and they helped, um, you know, post about it or send emails out and just get the word known that, you know, there was a local writer who you know was part of the parent community who had, had done something like that it, it made me feel like I had a place in a, a bit of a wider community you know and it was then that I started to approach the libraries um, I started with our, our very local one Newton Abbott library and I, I let them know I 
local writer I had written this children's book and I, I I got interested in the idea of actually going out there and reading the book myself and that was a massive thing for me because when I started writing uh, sort of seven years ago now I would never have thought about being out in public talking about the fact that I had, had written anything let alone talk about what I'd written or even read in public um, but I, I was able to, to get in with a few of the libraries in Devon who were gracious enough gave me spots gave me time to have reading events and I was nervous as hell at my first one Newton Abbott was my first one and I had such a good turnout there I mean the, the parents at the, the school um, again that our, our kids go to they were so supportive they came out in droves there was an, there was a buzz in the room about something I had done and although I was really nervous reading the book it was it was afterwards getting to talk to people and have people come up to me who I didn't even know who then wanted to talk to me about my book or about writing and, and things like that it made me feel more accomplished you know and and then I, I opened that up I, I did similar readings in Exeter and in Tiverton um, I was due to have a few more around the Devon area when unfortunately Covid came and, and swiped that away I I was on the brink of actually a regular story time spot at a local play centre, an indoor play centre, um, which I was so looking forward to. But again, lockdown, the first lockdown put an end to that and it's not something we picked up again yet um, for obvious reasons. But that, um, those dates and that relationship I was building with the play centre actually opened another door that I would never have imagined. Um, a uh, they had a, a a a mutual contact in that was helping to promote my reading events with them. Um, she was actually a mutual contact with quite a well-known parenting expert in the UK called Sue Atkins, and I was invited to go onto Sue Atkins' podcast to talk about my book, and that was the first sense that you know it wasn't me approaching people and saying you know any chance I could I could be interviewed or I can I have a spot to talk about my work I was being invited then onto quite a quite quite a well-known platform sort of in in that area in the parenting um, community her podcast is quite well known and having the chance to go on and and talk to her about my book was again nerve-wracking but it was amazing and that's really it opened I get a few podcasting doors because I, I then um, I contacted a few more and I was able to get onto a few more podcasts before then having the vision to launch my own but again it put me I felt like I was being put in, in a, a wider circle where I can finally display my work you know years of the few years I'd spent writing the horror and you know I had a small following and a, a band of amazing authors who have helped support me as well um, but to me that was really this year was the pinnacle for me because of my children's books it, it gave me that opportunity to speak on a wider scale and, and to have that you know, a bit more exposure um, and it really made me fall in love with the idea of writing children's books even more because of what I was getting back from it and um, I, I couldn't couldn't replicate that 
but I tried. <laughs> so I, I had in the works at that point anyway. I, last year I had, uh, I think it was last summer, I had written, I wanted to write a a Christmas tale. I had, I think the, the excitement I got from It's a Long Way to the Moon um, when it was released instantly made me want to write another one. And that time of year sort of, late August, September, October time uh, when It's a Long Way to the Moon was in its infancy, you know, release-wise, I was starting to... The thoughts of Christmas start rolling in. You know, I love this time of year. It's one of my favourite times. And particularly now we've got kids, it's even more exciting. So naturally, I, I wanted to write a, a, a festive book and I I thought The Little Brown Moth was perfect to bring him back and have him um having you know have another adventure and what more magical way than have him meet santa you know every kid's dream and i really wanted to to tap into the the even though the 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 christmas market is is like writing for horror i suppose but it's 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 a very it's a niche you've got a wide audience but you've only got them for a, a limited time that your book is relevant um but i i wrote it again it only took me a few weeks um, it really did just come to me. I, I did. There was only a couple of bits that I I really had to work to to get verses written that fit. Um, but I had the main idea down. I knew what I wanted to do. I sent it straight off to Cranthorpe Milner. I'd already said to Kirsty that I I was working on something, and um, and she wanted she she asked to see it. So I did. I sent it over, and yeah, they they wanted to take it on. They wanted Greg to work on it again. I was obviously more than happy for that. I was I was really excited. The only thing I suppose the my impatience was getting the better of me because I knew it would be another year before we could even see this out in the market because we had to obviously there's no point releasing it too early. We wanted to release it at the right time. But Greg worked his magic again. I think visually I love It's a Long Night for Santa even more than It's a Long Way to the Moon because it ignites in me that childhood excitement um, for Christmas, the imagery in there, you know, Santa, the reindeer, I've got Rudolph in there, you know, it's a it's a sweet little tale that's told within that, that wrap of excitement for that time of year and it encompassed everything I think that I remember feeling at Christmas um, you know even down to I I put in an idea so in the in the in the first couple of pages of it's a long way to the moon there is a, a little uh, like line drawing which doesn't seem to fit it, it, some people may have wondered where it came from but it's within sort of the, the first few title pages it's, uh, it's it's like a little bunny rabbit um, it's actually drawn by my daughter Lorelei when even probably around the time I was even writing It's a Long Way to the Moon so she was probably only about three at the time and I absolutely loved it and I, I kept it rather than put it in a, the usual pile of scrawled drawings and that that we struggled to find somewhere to keep I I kept that, I put it in a folder I kept it safe because I knew I wanted to have that in the book somewhere so I asked Cranthorpe Milner to to put that um, in in those opening few pages as my sort of little nod to my little one. And so I I know I needed 
to pay tribute really to my to my little boy Oscar which I did in this one to when you um, if you see the book or if you if you if you do buy it the character when you get to the bit with where you meet Billy Miles um, it started off that the the rabbit that he's holding the the cuddly rabbit that he's holding needed to be the exact um, sort of replica of what of, of Oscar's um, sort of like his mascot he's had this this cuddly rabbit since pretty much since the day he was born um, he doesn't go anywhere without him so I knew I wanted I wanted that referenced in there but then I I, I asked as well for them to add um, uh, glasses you know to, to Billy Miles having wear glasses and that that really the character of Billy Miles is is my my little man so again you know there's probably more of me personally in these books and they brought me more pride than anything else that I've done so um, so yeah I so there it is really that's the stories behind all of my stories now I mean the where I am now is a very different place than what I was where I was in 2013 when I started writing um, I'm, at a, I'm at a place now where I, I don't need to prove to myself that I'm a writer um, I always considered you, you couldn't be thought of as a writer until you were up there on the bestsellers list you know I was chasing that a lot with my, my horror stuff I'm not there anymore I don't need to be because I think what I've got in these two books and, and the feedback I've received um, that's enough for me you know that's 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 that is my version of winning really um i don't need to chase the bestseller labels anymore if it happens you know absolutely brilliant i've got a couple of things coming up that i will mention um just before i end this show um so it's a long night for santa has continued to open more doors um particularly in the celebrity wing i suppose because on sunday december 20th it's a long night for santa is actually being read on um if you go if you find little radio uk uh, it's um it's a web it's a, a radio station set up for aimed at sort of children children's stories and for families and that and they have quite a few presenters on there from time to time from the likes of cbb's and i'm fortunate enough that it's long night for santa has been read out on the 20th of december on their final sort of story times uh, their Sunday story time slot before Christmas by the BBC's Chris Jarvis um, and again yeah I keep saying these things come along and I'm like that's the pinnacle for me you know I I can say I can safely say that I've I'm so proud of what these books have achieved for me and then it keeps on giving really because the other day um, Cranthorpe Milner also released a video of legendary actress and singer Anita Harris um, reading my book, you know, she's 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 done a, a lovely video reading of it, which is up on on the internet now on YouTube and on on their social media pages, um, and it it's got that feel of a traditional Christmas story, you know, the setting that Anita is in in the video, it just matches perfectly, and you know, there's this this person who everyone who I've told since knows her name you know from carry on films or you know from her, her music or whatever um 
you know it, it really does I had a moment really recently where I, I sort of sat and, and took stock of all these little things I don't need to be up there making millions from my writing you know the big thing for me is now that isn't in my head it's it's I've I grew frustrated when I was starting off because I wanted success I guess and I wanted um, as much as I said I, I wasn't interested in that and it was really it was the, the the writing process as valuable as that was to me of course I wanted to be successful I wanted to be well known I wanted my books to I wanted to do it full time I wanted my writing to make me money and you know be up there on screen or whatever but with the, what these books have taught me is that the the validation you get from other people is 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 a, is more important than you know money or accolades or anything like that. I these little opportunities, you know, Sue Atkins and, and Chris Jarvis and Anita Harris, never in a million years did I think anyone of you know of well known name would would have anything to do with anything that I've done. And I think these these little things really do just cement to me that I'm in a good place now and yeah I if if this if this is as far as I go for a minute so be it you know I, I, I couldn't be happier and I think coming to the end of this episode this really does bring this podcast the reason that I started this podcast was to because I, I really I wanted the opportunity to to delve back into everything that I've written f even for myself if no one else listens to it you know I know people have and they've really enjoyed listening to to me talk about where my inspirations come from and you know even certain characters certain you know twists and turns along the way in my books what, how they were influenced by things that were actually happening to me um, but with this episode this really does bring it bang up to date this is where I am now so dead man talk is really just reaching his natural conclusion um i've 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 really really enjoyed doing this podcast it's given me it's been like therapy for me again i suppose it's really helped me relive what i've achieved um through something that nobody told me i had to do but the amount of support i've had along the way kept me doing it and uh so this may be where where this this podcast will rest for a while you know i i i like to think of it as existing for the reason that i set it out and it's really to tell my story the stories behind my stories and i feel like i've done that so i may well come back in in the future some point with some future with some some other episodes you know special guests or whatever i don't know really what i what other direction i can take this one um, I want to carry on podcasting, you know, if I can from time to time because I, I really do enjoy it. So I'll probably I'll find something else to sort of bore you with, <laughs> some other subject. But yeah, I I'm sort of finishing twenty twenty. It's been an odd year. Um, it's not been a nice year in a lot of ways, but certainly for me there have been a lot of a lot of success, personal successes that I will take away. And you know, I, I thank everyone that I that that supported me with my writing. You know, my family, friends. I there's too many to mention, really. I mean, my my wife and kids, and my mum, uh, my sister. Everyone's been been an inspiration, really, to me over the years. So yeah, everyone I think's played their part in all this as well. 
and no, I thank everyone as well that that has helped me with Dead Men Talk. Um, everyone that's come on and, and spoken to me, all the guests that I've had along the way. You know, starting back with Richard Eyre, that was that was a big, that was a real special moment for me being able to speak to him for the first time, and, and right up to date with with Greg on this episode. You know, it's um, the writing community and the podcasting community, and uh, you know, the the creative community is is one of the best ones I could I could hope to belong to so yeah won't be the end but it's 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 the end for now so thank you so much for listening in and have a fantastic Christmas uh, great new year and I will speak to you again at some point thank you mm-hmm.